This week we've actually got our first guest on the episode of this current series. It's actually a return guest, uh, Charles Oliver. Uh, you can follow Charles on Twitter. Uh, he's at Charles Fair, Fair spelled F-A-R-E. Very, very nice man. Uh, and this week we're talking about two films from Alex Ross Perry, uh, his 2011 film The Color Wheel, and his new film out this year called Listen Up, Philip. Uh, we recorded it at his place, so there is um, some. So the sound isn't as good as last week's episode because it's just me with the one microphone. But um, it's still good, and it's a good conversation. That's really what I wanted to do: was have a good conversation with Charles. And Charles is just good company, and he's good. Um, you know, he's got some good opinions. So uh, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Oh uh, yeah, no. Uh, basically, um, I was quite excited for this film for a while because um, I really, I really like Jason Schwartzman. Basically, um, I think ever since the first time I saw him in um, uh, Rushmore, yeah. Rushmore, I just always liked him. He's a really charming actor, and um, I think the fact that he's like related to Coppers, I find very interesting. And uh, he's he always pops up in sort of like Wes Anderson films. And his roles have been less prominent in most films now, and it was quite cool to see him play a lead in something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was really keen for this film. I'd never seen anything by uh, the director before. Same Alex Ross Perry. Alex Ross Perry. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but I really liked the film, and I really liked uh, Jason Schwartzman's sort right. of turn in it. Yeah, and he plays. Um, I'll set the film up. Mm. Uh, it follows this author called Philip, who is releasing his second novel called Obedance. Obi Dance or something along those lines. Oh, those lines. Yeah. And he is, simply put, a dick. Mm. He's not a pleasant man. He's just so cruel to everyone around him. There's a, a, uh, the opening of the film. Yeah. Where he meets me- up with his ex girlfriend. Meets with his ex girlfriend yeah. in a diner, and the narrator in the film, who constantly speaks about him as if he's in his own book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, Talking about how this rage is building up inside of him, at how annoyed, yeah. at how late she is, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then he just kind of like fills it up slowly in this conversation with his anger at her, saying, you know, showing off about how his book tour that's coming up. Yeah, how and, busy he's going to be and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then he proceeds to let rip at her, yeah. which then sets us up for the rest of the film. The very next scene, in fact, where he berates his ex-college roommate. Yeah, yeah. He just has this like long sort of run. His ex-college roommate. He's like, um, like uh, we both could have been doing this sort of thing, and really just lays into him. And it's a great sort of comedy beat because after he um after he calls the guy a Jew bastard and like says all this like he just says all this really nasty stuff to him, and then you see his friend sort of wheel himself out of the thing because he's in a wheelchair. So clearly, I don't know. Alex, 
funny. Was, those, those, the first two opening scenes are really sort of um, yeah. Those really are that sort of it kind of it sets you up for something that doesn't happen then because mm. it sets you up thinking this guy's just going to go around laying into people. Yeah, and then you're going to see it's going to be really funny. Yeah. and then it just turns into something that's ultimately quite tragic because you have his, yeah. his girlfriend Ashley, yeah. played by Elizabeth Moss. Yes, who. Um, Yes, Charles said that in a very, I appreciate her performance. Oh, uh, yeah, no, Elizabeth Moss was great in this film. But yeah, like you were saying, she's his girlfriend. And um, yeah, she's just kind of this, this brow, she's kind of browbeaten by him. A little yeah, bit, yeah. She's, she's so used to him that she just thinks this is life. Yeah, yeah. She thinks this is how it is. And it's also an interesting portrayal of 30-year-old people as well. Yeah. Um, like me and you approaching like 20. Yeah, approaching 30, I guess. character who is this sort of uh, semi-established author working on his second novel and then he kind of gets uh, a hand up from this guy whose name is again? Ike Zimmerman. Ike Zimmerman. <laughs> and uh, he invites him over to his uh, his country home and stuff and they sort of they sort of throw shit back and forth at each other. They're both very sort of misanthropic guys but this guy's sort of like the uber misanthrope who is sort of uh, sort of grooming Philip in his mm. ways of being like a complete piece of shit, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays basically. He plays Philip Roth. Yeah, yeah. I read this. I've never actually read any Philip Roth sort of. Yeah, so I didn't get I, the. Uh... I've read a couple of Philip Roths. I read. Uh, I read this short story novella called The Breast. Okay. Where it's a guy who turns a breast. Okay. Kind of like uh, uh, what's it called? Metamorphosis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where Kafka thing. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. I also read. Plot Against America and The Humbling. So I've read quite a... Yeah. Plot Against America is an established one, The Humbling is a fairly recent one. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's quite clear that it's a Philip Roth kind of thing. Cause the books are called stuff like Audit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Men Who Make Love to Women yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like one that's called like a very easy novel and then the second one's called like a, or that's the subtitle and the other one's called like a very hard novel. Right? <laughs> yes. Sort of these weird plays on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can kind of tell that they spend quite a bit of time picking these novel titles. Yeah, you know, definitely. In the, uh, the art design and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, What's interesting is that you have Philip and Ike, who are two novelists, who are ultimately quite angry, and then you have these female characters around. Them. Yeah, I don't know if you picked up on this, but well, you have you have uh, you have Ike's daughter, who is um, sort of a lot like Elizabeth Moth's uh, character in that they're sort of these women who are ignored by men in their lives, who they kind of want to, or at least want to connect with, and it kind of ends up with them both sort of giving up on them, really. Mm. And I guess like most of the so there's um, uh, Ike Zimmerman's daughter, uh, Elizabeth, Moth's, Elizabeth Moth's character, Philip's uh, girlfriend, and then there's another woman who comes into it later on in the film who is this uh, French teacher at the yeah. university. Yeah, she's called Camille, I think. Camille, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and what's interesting is that this is very much a film about angry men. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, angry men and happy women. Yeah, yeah. Happy women who these men don't seem like they can comprehend how, yeah. how they're a complete person. Yeah, yeah. And they seem to go about just wanting to destroy them. Yeah. Only for them to get it turned upon them. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, well, I, I think a big thing in uh, in This Not Philip is two men who sort of, at the top of their game, but, uh, you know, and they should be happy, but they can't be happy unless they're destroying everything around them. Mm. So you get sort of... Um, Philip, who is an up-and-coming guy, and one part of it, um, he goes and speaks to his literary agent, and um, he announces very emphatically that he doesn't want to do any promotion for his book, 
and uh, he's a complete asshole to everyone at his literary agency. He goes to a photo shoot. He's kind of uh, you know poncing about and all sorts of stuff. He goes on a date with uh, one of the interns at yeah. a photo shoot, uh, solely for the purpose of at the end of the date, sort of telling her that they actually met like a year or so ago yeah. before he was famous. And uh, just wanting to embarrass. Him, yeah, basically, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff like that in this film. And it's interesting you know, though that they have this desire to destroy women, but the film isn't misogynistic in my mind. No, no, I don't. I don't think so at all because. Um, well, the first act is a lot about uh, Philip and Ike. Yeah, and it's, um, it's interesting because the characters kind of relay. They go from Philip to Ashley to Ike, yes. and then back to Philip at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so what ha- sort of happens is you see Ike, uh, you see Philip go away to um, Ike's uh, lodge and become like a university lecturer and all this sort of stuff. And then it flips back onto Ashley, Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Moss's character and yeah. uh, her trying to, uh, I guess, get along without him, which she does you know, exceedingly well, I guess. It's sort of like you see this sort of stages of a breakup. At first, she's kind of like, oh, well, there's something that's missing in her life. And, you know, she starts to get up on her feet and become, uh, you know, a fully-fledged person without him and someone who functions me- yeah. much better than she did before when she was with him. And it's also yeah. interesting that the film doesn't go into the cliché Girl making it in New York, yeah, kind of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, uh, Peter Gabriel, you know, <laughs> riding up on Salisbury Hill on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like this is just a person. She's not like identifying herself as a feminist or as like I'm just going to make it because I'm a woman. She's like, yeah. I'm just going to be a fully grown person. And yeah. I'm only going to be identified as me. Yeah. And definitely. all the women are like that. Even Ike's daughter. Yes. Who she's semi reliant on him. But when he's like, I can't help you anymore, mm. you and not for financial reasons, really because she was fucking annoying. Her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rather than being a father and helping her, yeah. He was just like, just get out, I can't deal with it. She was okay, well I've got to do this now. Yeah, exactly. I think that was really great uh great part part of the film sort of seeing the two of them uh coming into their own and i guess what, what to me what they sort of symbolize in the film is they go because they go through especially ashley more so ashley than anyone else goes through a great amount of like personal growth over the period of the film like i was saying before like the whole like pretty much this whole second act is dedicated to her and yeah. the movement she makes in her own life and uh philip and i do none of this stuff. There's no real sense of like personal growth. Even by the end of the film, neither of them really learning lessons about themselves. Mm. They sort of well, plod the, on. There's the uh, interesting thing with the narrator at the end of the film. Yeah. Who's basically, you know, we see Philip at the end of the film. I won't give it away, but he's at a low point. Yeah. He's at a bad point, and the narrator, you know, we're thinking, oh, he's fucking getting his comeuppance, and the narrator's like, nah. Nah. He, yeah. Exactly. He, he got to do exactly what he wanted to do. We're not sure whether it was the right thing for him, mm. but he got to do it. But yeah, it just... It, After the film, <laughs> you're thinking like, because when a film ends, that's normally the end of the story, unless yeah. it's something like Lord of the Rings, or <laughs> yeah. The Hobbit, yeah. or whatever, yeah. where they have to keep dragging it out. Mm. You know, this is the end of the movie, so you're thinking, well, that's what his character is, I wonder what's going to happen. And they just pull it away from you, where they're like, you think he got it now. <laughs> he yeah. made it. He, yeah. he, he, he got exactly what he wanted in the end. Well, it's like, according to the narration, like, you know, he... He goes on to have several more successful novels. He continues his teaching job mm. and all this sort of stuff. And I guess it's kind of true to life as well because life doesn't really work like films where you have, like I don't know, these these huge arsehole characters who get their comeuppance. I mean, there are people who are wildly successful, who are real pieces of shit. And I'm sure me and you know some. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, are still, uh, you know, abhorrent cunts. Yeah, and you know, probably. <laughs> Where they are because because they're abhorrent cunts. Yeah, like, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I actually might ask you about this afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you get these people who, yeah, it's a lot of people use films as a way of escape, which is yeah, and yeah. legitimate thing. That's kind of what I do. I use it to be entertained for the moment, you know. Yes. And this film is immensely entertaining. It's so funny. It's, it's really so funny. dramatic as well. Yeah. And very beautiful. The the way they shot it was on sixteen millimeter, which is something 
I kind of have a bit of a hard on for yeah. sixty. I love sixteen million. <laughs> Sixteen on the big screen is just so beautiful how it stretches out. Did you watch this on uh, a video on demand? I did watch it on yeah, video. Yeah, likewise, so I'm bit, yeah. I'm a bit annoyed about like not well it's coming out in the cinema. Oh next really? Year. Oh, okay. So cool. I'll definitely see yeah, that, no, likewise, likewise. Um yeah, I watched it on VOD, you can get it on iTunes in America. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> nice little plug there. <laughs> um, but it's so beautiful, like even on a computer screen or on your TV. Yeah, yeah, I have a really wonderful TV. Yeah, I'm looking way. at it now yeah. and it, it's stunning. Uh, Sean Price Williams is the DOP on this. Yeah, one. I looked him up today, um, actually. And mm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this film and the film we're going to talk about later are both really brilliantly shot. One thing I also liked about it in terms of sort of the construction of the film was. Um, the score was incredible. The score was really, really, really lovely. I, I know a little bit about the score. It's a, it's a mainly jazz score. I don't know who composed it. No, I found that the other day, but I, I, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Um, but shouts to whoever did it. Uh, but for a temp score, when you're editing a film, you put music down as a sort of... Okay. Yeah, you don't have the actual finished score, and then they work through it. They actually use Miles Davis' kind of blue. Yeah, okay. And they yeah, use a lot of Miles Davis. Yeah. And it really suits this jazz score. It's not kind of blue on the soundtrack, but this kind of jazzy score, um, not an over-the-top, like, it's rhythmic. It's just yeah, kind, of, yeah. kind of fades in and out. Kind of like how the characters fade in and out of the film. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, actually. It's, um, it's very um, ethereal at times. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice, um, nice. Yeah, what else have I got here? Um, uh, I'm going to go off on a, uh, one here a little bit. I actually consider this film to be the pinnacle of the new American indie cinema. Um, it's just so accomplished, and it's so... It's very cinematic, but it's also literary. And that's yeah. something that I love in a movie, is when you can tell the person that made it reads books. Yeah. I just love that. Because so many times I see a film, you're like, this can only read comic books. <laughs> why, why I, like, but that's why I gave up on comic books. Yeah. Because I'm like... This person hasn't read a book in fucking five years. Well, like, you can tell that the the whole frame of, uh, I guess, media or, or like pop culture as a whole is limited to sort of the furthest that goes back is maybe like, I don't know, the first Steven Spielberg movie they saw. Yeah, and it e. kind of ends there. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Whereas, yeah, this was yeah, like you say, like a really sort of literary film in its way, especially with the narration and that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and also it's, I love the fact that it didn't just kind of it didn't hold your hand. It was, it was like, follow me, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold your hands, just follow me. And yeah. see see where we go. Yeah. And I really appreciate that in a film. Just just to treat your audience as intelligent people. Oh, definitely. Uh, but I consider this to be the pinnacle of American indie films I'm talking about guys like David Lowry who did Eight Men Body Saints, which you should check out if you haven't yeah. seen it. Amy Simetz who did a film called uh, Sun Don't Shine. And Shane Carruth, who did Upstream Colour, and he also did Primer. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, uh, seen Primer, yeah. I was yeah. actually reading about uh, Shane Carruth the other day, uh, today actually. Um, what was it? So, uh, I was reading, there was, after he did Primer, there was a script that he was trying to sell yeah. called, um, do you remember the name? I know, it's uh, Atopiary. Atopiary, and um, I was reading like a synopsis of it, and it, it seemed really, really insane, like really yeah. just... Like an incredible sort of incredible sort of film. I'd love a, to see if it. They had. Yeah, uh, it won't get made. No. It was it, the budget was too. I know. I, I just broke your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they had. No. But they had David Fincher attached to executive produce and Steven Soderbergh, and it was gonna. They were trying to get the money together, but Caruth is so indie and he's so like I've got to just do this on my own. Yeah. He actually designed the creatures himself. Oh really? Wow. On his computer. Huh. So, like, you know, whereas you have, like, Marvel, you have thousands of people. Sort of like this whole studio yeah. behind something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's almost like a factory. Caruth was on his own in Dallas in a bungalow, in, 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 in his home, <laughs> yeah. in a cul-de-sac, designing these monsters to be in the film. It's not a monster movie, but it's... Yeah, Caruth is quite... Have you ever seen... Have you seen Upstream Colour? I haven't seen Upstream Colour, actually. Um, I remember the buzz of it when it came out, because it came out not long after I'd just seen Primer, mm. and I really enjoyed that film. Mm. And um, I just never got around to seeing it. But it was. Yeah. It also it came out of nowhere because he shot it and no one knew it existed. Oh really? And yeah. it was like a month before Sundance. Trailer came out. New film from Shane Carruth, and people like Twitter exploded. <laughs> you nice. know how it is. Nice. But uh, yeah, I consider Listen Up, Philip to be of these last five years to be the best film of this era. Nice. And 
uh, going within this era was Alex Ross Perry's previous film, The Color Wheel. Yeah, The Color Wheel, yeah. Which I told you to watch. Yes, yeah. Uh, I originally, when I was going to do this episode on my own, I had Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives. On oh, okay, about. I haven't seen that one. I wasn't going to ask you to watch a Woody Allen film. <laughs> uh, in case you didn't want to watch a Woody Allen film. Yeah. Uh, uh, for reasons. Uh, but uh, but we talk about the colour wheel here. It's uh, it's a really shaggy film. Let's put it yeah, that way. I um. It I'll... has no stars. No Jason Schwartzman in an, in an Oxford shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. To go back on uh, to go. Yeah, one go last point about uh, listen up, Philip. If you like Jason Schwartzman as much as I do, and if you don't, then. Sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you like Jason Schwartzman, if you like looking at places in autumn, and if you like seeing Jason Schwartzman wearing, you know, nice jumpers, oh, yeah. nice button-down shirts, nice polo shirts, nice, nice like jackets. Yeah, yeah, nice. just really just rocking the autumn look. Then uh, check out this movie. But yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of autumn personally. Likewise, autumn, autumn and spring. Spring can be a bit warm for me. Yeah, know, true, but true. I like spring. Um, autumn. autumn. Just for the jackets and just for the... Just for being comfortable and looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Which Schwartzman does in this film. He looks tremendous. He looks very good in this film. Uh, but yeah, back to the colour wheel. Colour yeah. wheel. Uh, it was his previous film. Whereas this had a budget of about 300000 Colour wheel had a budget of about 20000 Okay. Uh, it shot on black and white 16mm. Same uh, cinematographer as well. Sean Price Williams, yeah. yeah. And it's about a brother and sister going on a road trip brother helping the sister move out from her boyfriend's place, yeah. who is her lecturer at university. And, well, Charles, what was your opinion of it? Yeah, I, 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 just, I watched it just last night as well, so it's quite fresh in my memory. And um, what did I like about it? It's hard to say. So, like Joe's saying, it's a real shaggy dog story. The basic plot is, uh, you know, a brother and sister have to go... Um, move the sister out of her, her ex-lover's house or yeah. whatever. And um, it's... Uh, I don't want to... It sounds like I'm doing it a disservice by saying this, but they're, they're quite stock characters. So you get the brother who was played by Alex Ross Perry yeah. and the sister who... Carlin Altman. Carlin Altman, yeah. They uh, wrote the film with him. Yeah, they wrote and directed the film. And uh, she is just sort of this, uh, this flighty character who wants to be an actress slash uh, ankleman. And he's... He seems like he's a, like a literary sort who wants to do something. Yeah, like that. He, yeah. he was. He did a literary degree, and now he writes questions for focus groups. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Lines. He's a copyright for focus groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah that hit home. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh dear. Yeah, oh, dear. but um, so uh, it was a shaggy, a real shaggy story. It's sort of like it was basically just a, a lot of different. Uh, Vignettes? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of different vignettes. So you get them sort of meeting at um, his house, which is actually his parents' house. Yeah, I think, with his like, girlfriend. With his girlfriend living there. And uh, they meet up there. They have sort of like a... The dialogue in this is quite fresh, actually. And I guess from the get-go, um, he... As Ross Perry's character is a lot like uh, uh, Jason Schwartzman's character and it's not Philip, in that they're both quite obnoxious, quite reprehensible people, but... Uh, they go about it really well. He says things really cleverly. He's yeah, it's very uh, worthy the, the film, even though it's eighty minutes. Yeah, there's a lot of dialogue and it's vicious and uh, nasty and cutting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as is the film, and the wit of the film kind of drives it forward. This dialogue, which constantly moves yeah, forward, definitely. and they kind of get a, kind of trying to get one up on each other, like when uh, the brother brings up a holiday that he went on with his with parents <laughs> and girlfriend. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Oh no! It was, uh, why didn't they invite me? It's like because you're a bummer. Like we <laughs> yeah. don't want you there. And then he was like, "Oh, it's so beautiful." And it wasn't. No, it, it was a beachside resort. Yeah. I was in a pool looking at the sea. Like he was. It's this sort of driving at home. They like, constantly want to kick each other down. And then there was another scene where the sister was implying that her baby sister had molested him. Yeah, well. there was. And then. <laughs> yeah, so should we, should we, uh, there's there's a scene where uh, they're in a shop, I guess, like typical sort of indie movie scene where they're in like a chinty sort of shop, like, looking at like antiques. And oh stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And then they come to this. Uh, they're looking at all these little dolls of like um, sort of like uh, little mammies and stuff, oh, like, yeah, dollywog yeah. dolls and yeah. stuff. 
And then he goes on this little rant about how he just doesn't find, like, people of colour attractive. <laughs> yes. And I guess, like, stuff like that in this film is that it, it works really well in that it paints this picture of these really horrible people, like, really both genuinely quite horrible. Mm. But the way the, the way they use dialogue, the, the way, how clever they are, kind of, it kind of keeps you with them. You hate them the whole way through the film, especially towards the end. Yeah. But like everyone around them is a bigger dickhead than they are. Yeah. And um, there's, a, there's yeah. a party scene where they get belittled quite a lot. Yeah, really heavily. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of yeah, they get kicked quite a lot. Like it's you realise that it's not just those two that kick at each other, it's everyone else around. Yes. Yeah. His girlfriend kicks at her, like they they're constantly being beaten down. Which kind of suggests why they're so close. Mm. Um that they're able to speak about each other in such ways and know such details about each other. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I was just so impressed by the film because, as I said, it's so so low-key mm. and it's uh, quite interesting that this is actually a road movie. Yeah, I guess. Exactly. It doesn't sell itself as a road movie. It's not yeah. like Easy Rider where it's like, <laughs> on the open road and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, this sort of Easy Rider was about like getting your head out there and figuring out who you are. Whereas the colour wheel is all forests, forests, motorways, and cities. Yeah, no, where no, it, just, it kind of just shows well. like yeah. their mental state of just like they're quite cluttered people. Yeah, they're quite a mess. Um, but uh, and you also see it in her relationship with her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, that was one of the that was for me that was one of the best parts of the film. I mean, <laughs> yes. this film really hinges on sort of like uh, the banter between <laughs> the banter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The banter between all these characters, and um, when it gets to the uh, the scene where she's picking up her stuff from mm. uh, her ex-boyfriend's house, and they're verbally sparring with each other, mm. you know, he comes up with all these sort of like really quite cutting ways of calling her a child, basically. Yeah. And then she retorts with all these ways of calling him also like you know like this sort of a like, failure, yeah, a failure, a, a man child, and it, it just work. It works really well. It's really clever, and. It continues to do that. I got kind of bored after that mm. because, as interesting as well, what was the scene after that? There was a party scene. Wasn't yeah, there? there's after that they sort of um, and then they go to the cabin. Yeah, they go to a party. Uh, this is where they get belittled. I remember the funny one of the funniest things at that party is um, the brother steps in. This guy uh, comes up and starts to talk to him with a wine glass in his hand, and then opens up his uh, 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 Alex Scott Perry's uh, shirt pocket. And then just pours out a glass of wine right into it, and then rubs his hand along <laughs> it. And I swear to God, the next party I go to, I really want to do that. <laughs> it was like very much like a, a Jerry Lewis kind of gag of just kind of surreal physicality involved with it. Just yeah, like, the fact it wasn't he just poured it; he then wiped, he pushed it down <laughs> into him and further down his shirt to really sort of rub it home. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was cool. There's lots of little absurd elements that, uh, there that are sort of sprinkled all the way through. Mm. And um, Should we talk about the ending yeah. without, without talking about the ending? Okay, cool. Um, the did, end... did you see it coming? Oh, dude. Um, it's hard to say how much I saw it coming without spoiling what it is. But I'm watching this film um, in bed with my girlfriend. We're just sort of uh, staying up watching this film. And the relationship between the brother and the sister is kind of weird because they really see from the dark, from the way they talk to each other it's I don't have siblings so I, I'm not sure like how I, I can tell you it's pretty accurate yeah this sort of like I hate you but I love you type thing where they're really just sort of taking real nasty digs at each other mm. but at the same time it seems kind of like kind of like when Harry met Sally type yeah. type sort of thing yeah, yeah. as I said there's kind of this they know a lot about each other yeah um, I'll give you an example of sibling banter that I had yes uh, my mum once suggested to me that if I lost five stone in weight I could be a catwalk model nice <laughs> which is okay thank you mum and then my sister said or he can model for Giacomo now <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, whole Fast Network uh, leader, Jack McEnroy, actually brought that up uh, nice, when I nice. last saw him. He pointed out that Giacomo were opening shop, and he, then he said something along, Are you going to be, am I going to see a picture up there? 
I think you should really go the whole hog with this thing. I mean, ignore the naysayers and really see if you can get like a hot sponsorship for the show. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Jack and Mo presents. Joe Green is the last your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck off, Holdfast Network. Get some of that. What's that fat fuck's name? What's his name? That guy in the fucking T adverts. You know the guy. Les something, no, not Les Dennis. Les, Les Dawson? No, the guy in the, um, the guy in the fucking monkey. Oh, <laughs> no, uh, Johnny Vegas. Guess all that Johnny Vegas money, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, would you actually recommend this film to anyone? Um, you know what, it's one of those films where, um, A, I'm glad I saw it. Uh, like you say, it's quite, um, it's quite a unique. It's got quite a unique cinematic voice. Uh, there's a lot to it, sort of, to look at, and there's a lot to it to listen to. And yeah. it really, as much as it drags, um, there's a payoff, and it keeps you there waiting for the payoff. Yeah. And the payoff, it's spectacular. Yeah, it really is. It really is spectacular. One of the most, like, in recent times, at least, one of the most unnerving things I've watched. And as you're watching this, sort of like this kind of like. This kind of like mumblecore, kind of like indie thing. You're not really expecting that kind of resolution. No. I was thinking like it got about like about sixty or so minutes in, and I was kind of wondering, oh, where is this going to go? Like, um, what's going to happen? What's going to be the lesson learned here? And um, yeah, that ending kind of answered that in a lot of different ways. I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, and it, it, it yeah. answered a lot of questions that you didn't even know that you had. Yeah, like, that's what I was saying. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of the same. I think it's. I think it's sort of spectacular in a lot of ways, just yeah. what they're able to do. Shag is a part of the Holdfast Network. Holdfast Network is a network of podcasts that you can listen to online. You have uh, South London Hardcore, as hosted by Jack McEnroy and Steve Walsh. Uh, as it says in the title, they talk about South London, which is where we are now. Yeah, we are in um, uh, Peck and Rye. Uh, Melkin. Um, yeah, uh, inside joke. Melkin. It's a uh, little podcast humour for you. Yeah, American. cheers, Charles. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then we also have uh, Process, as hosted by Steve Walsh of the uh, South London Hardcore. Uh, Charles has actually been to uh, a recording. No, not a recording. Uh, this was a show that Steve used to do where creators of comics came in and talked about writing comics. Yeah, I went to the, uh, the first Process. It was uh, Steve and a young man named Mike. Uh, Mike, I can't pass his last name, but he makes really excellent... Um, sort of zen colon type comics to check that out mm. and it was very good so uh go to gosh for your comic needs yeah go to gosh comics mm. where steve works uh check out process uh i recommend listening to it actually it's really good yeah. uh and then you also have forward the hamlet which is about dulwich hamlet football club oh, nice. uh if you like non-league football and if you like dulwich hamlet i recommend listening to it uh, I only like Tottenham Hotspur, so you know it's, that one's not really for me. But it could be for you. Uh, I know that Charles isn't really a football person at all. No, no. I, I met two fans of Dulwich Hamlet Football Club, and yeah. they're really obnoxious. So um, it's really coloured my whole idea and the whole sport, really. <laughs> so, yeah. Which fans were these? Uh, I was I was at a pub around the corner, and they'd just come from a match, and they were really boozy, yeah. and. They they were talking. Oh, it's fair enough. They like the football club. Uh, my a friend of mine who does like football um, said something about the fact that they're non-league, and it really got these two guys' backs up, and they were really really upset about it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like so. I mean, that's like <laughs> me going to like Charles. You live in Peckham, and then you getting upset. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Like yeah. So what if I live in Peckham? No, I'm just stating a fact. You live in Peckham. Um, so yeah, Hugo, who hosts it's a, re- uh, a really nice guy. Apparently, I haven't, I haven't met him, uh, but Jack stands by him. So 
That's that's good enough for me. Yeah. And then uh, also, if you have a podcast idea or you have an existing podcast, go to wholefastnetwork.com forward slash submissions where you can submit your podcast idea. Charles, do you have a podcast idea? Um, no. No. But no. if you do, go there. If I if I did, the first place I would go would be uh, www.wholefastnetwork.com forward slash submissions. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't look at that stuff. Jack does, but you know, Jack's a really nice guy and. I mean, I'm sure your idea is probably going to be pretty good, but I don't know if it's whole fast network worthy. But give it a go nonetheless. You've that's got a, spirit, kid. Yeah, yeah but, that's, but that's how things happen. You know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to have a bit of hustle. You've got to make things. That's how, that's how things come to fruition. So, yeah, wholefastnetwork.com for all your podcast needs. Not all of them, but quite a few. Uh, go there. Jensen's Sportag, and uh, is it recording still? Yeah, still. Recording. Okay, cool. Yeah, I found this band the other day called Jensen's Sportag, and uh, they sound pretty much exactly like Scritty Pulley. Well, they have this one song that sounds exactly like Scritty Pulley, who were uh, this um, band from the 80s who started out as a sort of. From South Wales. Yeah. Newport, which is yeah, where I used to be. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's formed by this guy called Green Gartside, who um, is this guy from Wales, from like a little. Uh, Port Village. He moved to London, um, started a punk band that got signed, which, which was pretty pretty. They got sound to rough trade. They were really sort of um, political and had lots of like references to like Lacan and cultural theory in their first sort of like two EPs and stuff. And then on their second album, uh, Green Side fired the rest of the band and they got these two sort of cool pop producers in. And they became this really cool, really slick. Um, Pop band with lots of like sort of heavy, um, heavy drum machine stuff, lots yeah. of like weird sampling and like cool synthy stabs and stuff. And I'm a real sucker for that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, sort of browsing the internet. Uh, I'm listening to Caribou. Oh yeah, dude. I that was that, that was kind of what got me started back. Sort of like really trying to crate dig on the internet, I guess, trying to find stuff to listen to. Yeah. I really loved the new Caribou album and I uh, couldn't get enough of it. I just wanted to hear more stuff like it. Yeah, I've been listening, yeah. I listen to that. I've become a bit of a running ball because I go running. Oh, yeah, that. okay, so cool. That, but uh, I also listen to, if I can just bring up the name, uh, Theophilus London. Oh, Theophilus London, yeah. I listened to that album just the other day. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed yeah, it as well. It was, was good. There's this very, my favourite song on it, I don't know if it's Do Girls. Oh, I can't, I can't remember. Where he's on about, like, turning a lesbian. <laughs> oh, jeez, nice. That nice. song is my absolute, it's just so hilarious, because I love it in, like, a rap song when they have to skit. When yeah, they do the little okay. skit, yeah, like, yeah. where it's the person calling someone up on the phone, like, hey, man, what's up, blah, blah, blah. They have a really good one in that song. Nice, uh, nice. Two girls. But yeah. what, what else, what other music? Uh, back to that thing the the song that album. There's a really great uh, Kanye verse on it. Yeah. Where he references the it ain't Ralph though thing I thought it was funny yeah yeah that's yeah, that's, yeah. I, I really like that album. Uh, in terms um, of the, yeah there's a one line where it's like we <laughs> we smoke endo outdoors and palo alto yeah if this party don't got hoes my intro is my outro yeah I think that's oh, that's, that's that's really line, yeah. Yeah. I was really good line I was on the bus and I was having to like hold it and, like, <laughs> like oh my god yeah <laughs> What a line! Um, yeah, that was I was great. like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I listen to that a lot when I'm running as well. It's so, it's, and the really good, um, the track Do Girls, really good electric guitar as well. And, yeah, you know, as well. Really good samples. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Theopolis London's been around for ages. I remember uh, seeing him at play at Corsica 
in Elephant and Castle maybe three or four years ago now. So he's been on the scene for a while. Yeah. And it's quite cool that he's managed to get uh, Kanye to executive producers. Uh, oh, did he? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's oh, executive okay. produced by him. So uh, yeah, so it's really, really great stuff. What yeah. else have you been listening to? Uh, I've been listening to, tell you what I haven't been, well, I've been listening to the Scott Walker Sun album. Oh yeah, I've only listened to one or two tracks off that. It's really, it's fucking heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's dense. <laughs> but I, I made this point uh, the other day on Twitter.com, where you can follow me, I'm at the piss off, and you can follow Charles at Charles Fair. Whoop, whoop. Fair spelled F-A-R-E. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and... Uh, I made this point of that I've been the two albums I've been listening to were 1989 by Taylor Swift and, and <laughs> yeah. Sun O Scott Walker, but I've been listening to Sun O Scott Walker more. Mm. And someone made fun of me mm. uh, saying, "Oh, well, we get it. You have diverse taste in music." Well, Taylor Swift is for children. Okay, well, 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 we'll get into yeah. that in a second. Uh, but um, but what I was kind of to the point I was making is that Taylor Swift is more listenable. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I've been listening more to the. To the, so the less listen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's kind of my whole thing with that Taylor Swift album is that I mean, it's a decent, there's decent pop songs on there. I yeah, like, I like good pop music. Yeah, no, likewise. It, it, in all fairness, like um, that single that's off that album, Shake It Off, Shake It Off, is is I listened to it the first time the other day, and I've only, that's the second Taylor Swift song I've ever listened to. Not out of any sort of sort of elitism I just it's just never been on my radar yeah. but like yeah it was, it was quite a good song it had a really nice sort of backbeat to it yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I really liked it as well uh, there's a couple of good songs but I've got this really weird thing that I'm kind of wigged out mm. by 20 year old guys that are going to see her live yeah <laughs> yeah um, I'm not saying that she can't speak to you because that's that's fine you can get you can things speak to me that are incomprehensible to others mm. and that's fine mm. but the idea of 20 year old lads at Hyde Park being mm-hmm. alive and there's 15 year old girls around them it's a <laughs> bit like I wouldn't want to be in that situation I like, don't know definitely I mean live music is a terrible phenomenon in and of itself <laughs> would you want to be around a bunch of screaming 15 year olds at a Taylor Swift how was the uh, Kate Bush gig? Oh man, the Kate Bush gig was uh, one of the best and worst instances of my life. It was my birthday. Um, I went out to, to go see Kate Bush, who a massive fan of. Did um, you plan it to be on your birthday? Uh, no, it was just the only ticket I could get, and it was quite fortuitous. But um, And it was cool, I don't really mind going. I prefer going to gigs by myself more so than with other people, really. Yeah. But um, That's what I did with the Pixies last year. Yeah, it, it's quite an enjoyable experience because you get to sort of listen to it like you would at home, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this experience. And also, I like sneaking in at the last minute. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to sort of wait around and stuff. But yeah, the, this Kate Bush thing was seated. It was really cool. Really sort of uh, theatrical in its way. But uh, the first the first half hour, she was kind of knocking through the hits. And the thing about Kate Bush, because she's an artist that resonates with so many different types of people, you don't necessarily get people there who are sort of, you know, like, Quietest magazine reading, like chin stroking people. You've got people who go there to have fun, I guess, and that's not why I do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you do anything? Uh, just so I can talk about it on the internet. Later. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> at that stage now. Yeah. It's, it's really disconcerting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the thing with, with that was um, there was this couple sat in front of me who were having a really fun time, in fairness, and uh, during the parts where she was just sort of bashing out through sort of running up the hill, it was all well and good for them to sort of dance and, you know, do what Time Out magazine told them to do. Yeah. But then it got to that, it was a really sort of, it was a show that needed a lot of reverence. You know, you had to sort of sit there and pay attention to what was going on. Were you sitting the whole time? Or yeah, it was seated. So I was sat the whole time and um, it was really, really incredible. There was lots of, there was a lot of great art direction had gone into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's playing the last couple of songs and um, there's a quiet moment, and it's not like a quiet moment where everyone's retuning and stuff. It's a quiet moment because it's been set up as, you know, like a, you know, an ambient moment where there's something still lingering on in the background. Someone's building up, and there's this guy in front of me with this stupid girlfriend, and they're both, be- well, he's yelling like, play Wuthering Heights! Play Wuthering Heights! And this guy next to me, after the show ends, well, no, the guy, this guy next to me, um, this older guy, guy next to me sort of goes like, like how old are you man can you, can you calm it down a little 
and this dude turns around with a shitty grin and goes, I'm 14. He's not, he's 30. Yeah. Like, and, you know, being really obnoxious. The show ends. Did she play Wuthering Heights? She didn't play Wuthering Heights, no. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to ask like that. She didn't play Wuthering Heights. And um, were you disappointed? No, no. I would have been a little bit disappointed because I would have wanted just to hear. Yeah, no, like, fair enough. I don't know, but I, I mean, you were the person that turned me on Kate Bush. Yeah, well. no, it's it, it's it's great music, and really? I really am an ambassador for it. And I understand why this got me so hyped to see her and stuff like that. But it got really annoying, and then it got really shirty when um, the guy turned around and started having an argument with this guy. And I was like, uh, you know what, mate? In fairness, you were being really obnoxious. You were acting like a fucking child. And then him and his girlfriend, we, like, the three of us start having, like, this sort of heated discussion. She tells me it's her birthday, and it was my birthday as well, but I didn't tell her. And she says to me, like, as a way to sort of, and in fairness, it was her boyfriend being the arsehole, and I I tried my best not to, like, to direct my anger mostly at him. But she says to me, um, she says to me, like, you know what, throughout this whole gig, I was looking behind me, and I thought, that was the guy who was having more fun than anyone else. I was like, don't patronise me. I wasn't. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> like, like if, if someone, I, you know, I was just sat down being very sternly, sternly appreciating this yeah. music. But then, um, uh, it just got really annoying, yeah. and I was shaking with anger. I'm... And I told this guy, I remember the thing I said to this guy was like, mate, fun is subjective. I don't really know what I meant by that. I kind of get it. I kind of get it because, um, yeah, I kind of get it because I like to focus. Yeah. I don't yeah. like to let things just wash over me. I like to, like you're saying, there's this ambient moment, so you're just yeah. like, and you know, because you're focused, you know it's not, oh, this is just dead tuning. You're like, oh, there's something happening. Here. Yeah. So you're focusing in. And that's, I'm kind of the same in that I'm, I'm not stern like a fucking headmaster when it comes yeah. to this stuff, but I like to see stuff that's a bit hard. Right. Yeah, I like to see stuff that's a bit left for me. Yes. And I like to chat. And I like to <laughs> I like to just focus. Mm. I, I mean it's fine if you want to let things wash over you. That's okay. Yeah. And don't like like act oh, yeah, sorry. Don't, don't act like you're I don't know, appreciating it more because you're fucking crunking or whatever the yeah, fuck no, you're doing. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think that's what got to me most. It was just that like well, I don't know, I don't need to be Screaming and shouting like yeah. play, uh, play Wuthering Heights and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, appreciate it, Josh so. Baines, mm. uh, aka Baines on Twitter, yes. wrote a thing today about not dancing when going to a club. Yeah, yeah. Because I get it. Like he, he, does, he doesn't think he's a good dancer. I mean, I I dance whenever I go, and I'm not a good dancer. I can admit that. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like I can do the fundamentals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna a, a little shuffle. On, depending mm. on how drunk I am, mm. I'm not gonna do, go Future Islands lead singer. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, Tap in the chest. Yeah, yeah, I'm not doing the fucking like whatever. <laughs> like what's he do with the sort of uh, speed skating thing that he does? Yeah, yeah, a little figure skating. On the yeah. Spot thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that, but I kind of get it. It's just like. You know, I'm just going to appreciate it how I'm going to appreciate it. And it's, you know, just as legitimate as your way of doing it. But yeah, exactly. Just not being a dick, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, that's it. Is there any, like, books that you're reading at the Oh, um, I just finished Crash. Um, I started Ballard. Ages and Ages and uh, Crash. Ballard, uh, yeah, Ballard, yeah. Um, ages and Ages ago, I started reading it. Um, it's quite hard to read. I'm not, like, a massively voracious reader. I sort of gave that booked myself as a challenge to have never read any battle before. Mm. But I made the mistake of watching the film midway through <laughs> reading the book, and the film isn't especially good. Whoa! Uh, nah, 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 nah. I, I, okay. I, I just didn't enjoy it. I, I like, um, what's the name of the director again, sorry? David Cronenberg. I like David Cronenberg's sort of, like, I like stuff like Existence and, like, The Fly yeah, and, like, yeah. Video more sort of, like, schlocky body horror stuff. Yeah. Less so than, like, I think that was more did me- meditative. His, did you see his new film? I haven't seen his last two. Um, Max is better than Cosmopolis. Mm. Cosmopolis is a Don DeLillo novel. Mm. Um, and that's heavy going, that film. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. But Max is better than because it's kind of got that grungy, yeah. just like nasty dialogue, nasty people, just having nasty things happen to you. On a weirdly tangential note, um, uh, the guy who wrote uh, Maps, Maps of the Stars, I forget his name. Yeah, I know the guy. The uh, author... Um... Oh, bastard. What's his name? Yeah, I know. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look it up. But uh, basically, 
in the 80s, he did a comic book, a comic book for uh, Details magazine, which is kind of like a GQ thing mm. called uh, Wild Palms. And uh, it got made into a TV show that was kind of like a sub uh, Twin Peaks type thing. But it's a really great comic book if you can find it. Mm. It's uh, this weird sort of cyberpunk. Um, Mm. Sort of a surreal, surrealist yeah. type thing. It's really, really great. Yeah. And uh, off the back of that, I'd kind of like to see maps, maps, maps to the stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, to listeners, I'll post all the links to mm. the references that we've done. Yeah. Under the episode, you can see yeah. you can find it. Uh, let's move on to the second question, uh, which was the following: uh, Any films you love watching despite knowing how bad they are? Not counting the room because that's so bad it's good. Mm. More like Van Helsing. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember seeing Van Helsing when I was 13. Um, I didn't really enjoy it, even though I knew it was bad. Yes. Uh, there aren't many films that, um, that are really terrible that I really enjoy watching. Um, I'm trying to think. Critters? Critters, uh, I actually don't like that. <laughs> it really, really genuinely scares me. It, um, Critters is this weird sort of gremlins ripoff. It was one of the first... Got Kevin Bacon in it. So, uh, it's not got Kevin Bacon. You're thinking of uh, that other film with the graboids in it, Tremors. Tremors, Tremors that's, is that's, actually Tremors is quite good. I think that was the film I was thinking of as Tremors, not Critters. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're both kind of not great. No. But uh, I wouldn't. Uh, Tremors. Is, I, I'll give Tremors a solid seven out of ten. But um, but yeah, no, uh, Critters I really don't enjoy. They're mm. making a TV series of that. I don't really understand why. No. But um, a TV series I watched. A, about half of the season of, and hated it the whole way throughout, um, was um, this TV show that's based on a book that was co-written by Guillermo del Toro. The Strain. The Strain, which is this really shitty, like, airport novel about, like... Um, I started reading the book. It's really, really poorly written. Though. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of just like, this is... Um, I'm not... This is a term used by 17-year-olds to describe voiceover in films, but it's superfluous, I would say. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Um, it was just not great. Um, even though I like Del Toro. I yeah. think he's interesting, but... No, definitely. Well, this TV show isn't... It's... <laughs> this guy who works in the Centre for Disease Control... Um, Did you enjoy it in any level? Like, um, I enjoyed... I enjoyed hating it, I think. And yeah. that, it, that really made me stick around with it for a long time. Um, I've, I'm in two minds about Del Toro because I've liked... I like sort of the weirdest stuff he's done, but then the last film I saw by him was um, that one about the robots. Pacific Rim. And I didn't really enjoy that at all. It and was um, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it was a spectacle, but it wasn't especially very Yeah, it was, it was poppy and it was whatever. And, yeah. Uh, and, and I went into it knowing, like, yeah, it's just robots hitting monsters. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go yeah, watch I'll that. And that I, yeah. yeah, and then I started watching it, and then when the robots started hitting the monsters, I was like, I mean, I don't enjoy this. No, <laughs> Why have I come all. to see this? Not at all. But yeah, no, this TV show, The Strain, um, it's about vampires, it's about stuff. It's set in New York. All the characters are these really shit, like, stock characters. You've got this guy called F, who's like the CDC detective oh, yes. guy. He's kind of like this dude wearing a wig, and it's really stupid. Yeah. And you've got, like, this, like, Hispanic gangbanger called, like, I don't know, like, Emilio or something. Yeah. He's, like, looking after his moms and stuff. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it's yeah. just really terrible. I stuck with it for, like, seven episodes. Yeah, I saw people yeah. giving it really good praise as well. I mean, in the book, the opening bit on the plane was all right. I yeah, thought. I liked the opening bit on the plane, actually. No, and it, I think it all right yeah. on the TV, because I start. I mean, I had a similar, I think you had a similar thing. You know The Leftovers? The Leftovers, yeah, I watched that for, I mean, I, I like, gave that yeah. 15 minutes. Mm. And I had to because, you know, you saw the stop characters? Stock characters, stock setup. You know the bit where they have the mare in the car and they had to like blindfold him. He's like, this better be worth it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, why are you blindfolding me? It's like, so we can protect it. I was like, oh, I God. Think... And then the cop and his wife's gone and he's got oh, the door geez. to his yeah, angst. Like... Oh, yeah, the whole thing. That's a, that's a, it's, a, it's a waste of Justin Theroux. It's a waste of um, the woman who plays his wife. I forget her name. Um, really pouty. She was in um, Armageddon. Oh, what, uh, Liv Tyler? Yeah, it's a waste of Liv Tyler. Oh, is she in? I only saw she, she plays. She plays as she plays his wife. Oh, does she? She joins oh, a cult. Oh, yeah. Oh, but it, it's it's a really it's a really shitty show. Yeah, um, I yeah, I gave up on it. But I, yeah. know, I know someone on Twitter. I forgot his name. George something was just like, 
I knew I shouldn't have given this 12 episodes, 12 episodes and this is what they give me. Oh, Fuck man. them, like, that, that, I mean, Apple lost, I don't know if you were a lost fan. I, I was for like the first three or four seasons and then it kind of gets hard to follow up. Uh, lost that. is yeah. the, the thing that stopped me from committing to shows that I knew were going to be good. Yeah. Where I was like, it got to season four and I was just like, I got this far, I might as well, I'm never doing that. Yeah, no, I mean... And what, even though yeah. I don't hate the ending, like, I'm just like, oh, it wasn't worth <laughs> it, like, and even if Mad Men's ending isn't great, was, everything like, leading up to it was great. Everything leading up to it was brilliant, yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of bad things that I enjoy, it's hard to say. Um, I enjoy things that people consider bad, but I enjoy like them. Like what? Like, I don't know. Like, my favourite film is Gremlins, and actually, no, I can't imagine anyone consider that bad, because it's really good. But, um... I don't know, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, stuff I like is bad, I mean, I read, um, I was indoors the other day, I didn't really have much money, so I was staying in, and I sat down, and uh, for the first time in a couple of years, I, I sort of, like, leafed through, like, a whole bunch of superhero comics, mm. and I was reading, there's this new crossover in the Spider-Man comics called Spider-Verse, and oh, it's this yeah. weird thing of, like, all these alternate, alternate universe Spider-Men, and, uh, yeah, I gave that a bit of my time, and, um... Was it good? It wasn't that great, <laughs> but um, but it was diverting. And yeah. I guess that's the whole point of watching, like enjoying things that are bad. I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. comic books in particular, because the price of them are a bit petty, real. They're not worth it a lot. Of <laughs> no, no, no. The majority of them aren't worth the paper they're printed on, and, um, and they're yeah. very poorly written sometimes. But a lot they of the can, time, they can yeah. be spectacular as well. Yeah. Like, like, you know, Watchmen is, of course, the, the, the standard. The go-to of, of yeah, yeah. That I mean, be... my all-time personal favourite in terms of that type of comic book is Preacher. Oh, yeah, dude, I really enjoyed Preacher. I, I only read the uh, the first and second trade, but that's 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 a really enjoyable comic. And um, they're making a TV show. Yeah, it. Seth Rogen's involved. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Which it's, it needs. It needs to be funny. Yeah, definitely. It's weird. It's Seth Rogen and the producer that he often works with. Evan Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, Evan Goldberg. So that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And in terms of like, I mean, I also love Black Hole, Charles Burns. Uh, oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. I, I read that a little while. I've got two, uh, two uh, Charles Burns uh, books on my shelf right now. One called The Hive. And one called X Out, and they're pretty cool. Uh, they're mm. these weird takeoffs of um, Tintin, and the, the oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the mushroom. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to borrow them, you want welcome to. Um, I, I might actually. Yeah, yeah, no, go for it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Charles Burns' Black Hole is really good. And then um, um, paying for it. If you uh, buy uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, it's, it's not Seth something, but I know who you mean. Yeah, it's uh, Ch- Chester Brown. Chester Brown's. Canadian cartoonist, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's a story about um, sort of his experience with sex workers and stuff like that. Yeah. I've never actually read it. Um, it's really um, cold. Yeah. Because all the drawings are really minimal. And the di- it's really long dialogue-based yeah. things. Uh, it's essentially just like a novel, but just pure dialogue. Yeah, so okay. Yeah. And um, I recommend it. I might, I might lend it to you, actually. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I recommend Who's that um, author? Adrian Tomine? Oh, Adrian Tomine, yeah. He is one of my all-time favourite um, comics people. McEnroy recommended me. So I, yeah. I haven't read any. It's really, really great stuff. Um, uh, going back to sort of talking about films like Listen Up, Philip and uh, The Colour Wheel, um, if you're looking for something that has uh, that kind of level, uh, kind of applies... Um, yeah. If you're looking for something that it's a cinematic read and it tells stories like that. Um, it, te- it tells really interesting, sort of, really sort of almost quite somber stories, and Agent Tominate is uh, your go to guy in that sense. Or a lot of his earlier stuff is uh, just. Optic Nerve? Optic Nerve was a series of like uh, little mini comics he did. He's mm. still, still doing them, which is actually kind of rare for um, someone making comics at his level to mm. sort of still make uh, pamphlet sized comics. Uh, off the get-go and not do like um, graphic novels and stuff mm. and uh, he does really really cool interesting stuff mm. uh, Optic Nerve uh, 13 or was the latest one mm. and I can't remember if it was Optic Nerve 12 or Optic Nerve 13 but there was a story in it uh, about this guy um, also like a frustrated artist type character who uh, gets really into topiary like uh, cutting like uh, mm. plants and stuff 
and who develops this new way of presenting uh, sort of uh, trees and stuff, uh, <laughs> the hedges and stuff like that. And he's mm. this sort of schlevy guy who's living, you know, with his wife, and he tries to mix him with the, you know, the higher art circles, and he just gets really frustrated with his life. And it's a really, really great story told in a really cool way, and the way that he uses color is it's kind of like looking at a film of mm. like 16 millimeter or something like that it's uh the way the panels are set out the way that the the way that the stories end on sort of notes where you wouldn't expect the story to end like or where it kind of leaves you you know where when a film ends like the ending of the color wheel where it kind of ends with uh the character coming out um opening the door just about to go out and see his yeah. sister again yeah um a lot of Adrian Tolman's comics end like that. They kind of end on a sudden point. Like a half note. A oh. half note, yeah, that leaves you continuing the story in your head. And, you know, the way that it ends sort of is it, the way it's that a, you look a pamphlet kind of like mini comics. Yeah, they're yeah. Like four-page comics, stuff like that. Uh, they are... They're or, about, or, they're or is about, it Optic Nerve just like 12? Is that like one full story? Uh, it's There's two stories in it, but they're, um, okay. it's about it's about 32 pages long. Okay. Like, um, I'm, I'm 16 pages each free story I'm like, uh, but it's yeah it's, it's still in print and a lot of this stuff is still widely available it's all widely available yeah. and uh, he's just a really great voice in comics if you're trying to get into comics that are um esoteric yeah maybe not esoteric but just they just tell different kind of stories more sort of like slice of life stories yeah more sort of like um, yeah that's kind of the stuff that i'm trying to get into now because yeah. um i'm a big comic fan. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of fallen out of it the last couple of months. Because um, I'm just like, am I really that asked about what Wonder Woman's doing? Now? Yeah, no, likewise. Yeah. Although I do, I do kind of like the new Wonder Woman, uh, to be honest. Well, with, with uh, Cliff Chang and uh, Brian Azzarello. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never actually read it, but I really it's like really Cliff good. Chang's art. It's really cool. He, oh, yeah. the art is yeah. It's really poppy. Yeah, really style. cool colours to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess comics as a whole is maybe my thing that's bad that I really enjoy. But I don't think it's, like bad. it's just one of those yeah. mediums that has like um, there's a lot of shit you have to swallow before you start getting to the great, you know, like yeah. cool, sweet, ambergris of like, yeah. It's like, stuff like it's uh, like listening to jazz bands. for the first time. We're like, this is this is just like someone blowing into a trumpet, <laughs> not even trying. Yeah, and then like. Then you listen to Bitches Brew and you're like, oh, okay. And then yeah. you listen to Charles Mangus. And then you, I mean, my my personal favourite is um, Rashan Roland Kirk, who's this. Okay. I'm going off on jazz a little bit here, but it's um, he's a blind guy who would play three instruments at the same time. Oh, he wow, played, okay. He'd play a saxophone, two saxophones at the same time, both out of tune, and he'd start like playing a flute as well, like blowing mm-hmm. into it the wrong way. It's really quite an incredible. And it's so rhythmic and beautiful, like. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of uh, bad films that I like, yeah, yeah, uh, Oscar with Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> so bad. Wait, is that the one where he's like a mob boss? <laughs> uh, dude, is, he's trying to quit the mob. Oh, it's so bad. Yo, no, I have time for that movie. I could sit down and watch that again, actually. Yeah, yeah it's okay, yeah. Uh, not good. But, uh, <laughs> I recommend it if you want to just. Uh, laugh at me for liking it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I recommend it. Thank you for listening to this week's Left Field Show. My yeah, name, cheers, my guys. Na- yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Charles. Uh, my name is Joe Greenwood. Uh, my guest this week has been Charles Oliver. Uh, Charles, plug your stuff. Um, I'm Charles Oliver. I don't really do that much, um, honestly. Um, plug your Twitter. I'm on Twitter, though. Um, I say relatively fine things. Um, I, 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 I put you up. Cheers, thanks. And um, I'm, I'm here if you need a hot take. Yeah, Charles Fair on Twitter, Fair 
F-A-R-E. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Send in questions to holdfastnetwork.com forward slash askjoe, or you can add me on Twitter, I'm at the pissoff. Uh, I do not regret that name at all on there, <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, and then next week uh, I'll be talking about Winter Sleep, the new Liri Bilger-Jelan film. It's over three hours long, it's mainly dialogue, it looks slow, and it looks like my cup of tea. Um, hopefully you'll listen to it, uh, and have a good week. Yeah, have a great week. Thanks, Charles. Come back anytime. Cheers. You've given me a true love And every day I thank you, love